welcome, welcome, welcome to the Super Tea Podcast Show. So I have a book and it has been pressed upon me to share a few chapters out of this book with my listeners. So I am reading from chapter 12. Um, it has also been impressed on me not to... Um, go into the exact name of the book but I will tell you that um, it is an esoteric book um, that came into my possession not by chance Um, anytime I see um, people selling books I stop and I glaze and whatever I'm drawn to, um, I nine out of ten times get. And that's how I've been building my library over the years. Um, very rarely do I like literally go into a Barnes and Nobles and, you know, seeking a book. Um, most of the times books seek me (laughs) as other things do too, but we're not going to get into all of my, um, esoteric experiences we're just going to I'm just going to read from this chapter because I know that it will resonate with um, you listeners and it's about fear you know Um, this particular chapter is all about fear and a lot of people um, are familiar with the term you know and um, unfortunately in the different churches, um, fear has been used as a tactic, and outside of the churches as well, you know, the media uses it as a tactic. That's why there's so much violence and so many mishaps that um, are replayed on the news, you know, where there are so many other positive things going on that they can choose to dominate the news instead. But, you know, um, watching the violence and watching the mishaps on the news, if you do watch the news or read the newspapers, it, um, it supports fear, you know, and fear is used as a tactic to control and to manipulate. And I am going to read directly from this book. And um, this is not my book. These are not my words, but these words are facts. So I want to share these facts with you. That's what is most important. That you get a comprehension of this and that you use the knowledge that you have gained from now knowing what fear is to dissipate fear out of your life, you know, um, as soon as possible and to not allow it to come back in, you know, to actively work at keeping it out because where it leads to is not where you want to go or where you want to be. So no further ado, I'm going to begin reading. Chapter 12, Fear, the Keeper at the Gate of Death. Fear makes men inert. Fear is the destroyer of energy. Fear nullifies desire. Fear paralyzes action. In the last analysis, fear is death. With but a few notable exceptions, it has held mankind in its grip and obstructed the efforts of men, consequently made them failures in every sense of the term. 
Fear is the inner emotion that has not permitted one man to step ahead of other men. To think thoughts and hold desires other than those held by friend, neighbor, and family. It has made men neither more nor less than one of the common herd and has destroyed in him all but the herd instinct. Man, lo these many creatures, excuse me, man, lo these many centuries have not dared to do otherwise than believe that which would was taught to him as authoritative. This authority in reality is neither more nor less than something thought of and taught by one who has arisen a little above the mass herd, been accepted as an authority by the mass and recognized as an authority. So I'm going to be stopping in between just to have a small discussion with you guys. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. That people have just accept authoritative things because they were told to without actually using their mind to think. And so they just recognize it as an authority because that's what they were told. But if they dare to use their own minds to think of the actions of these entities, people, are they really in authority? What makes them so and what are they authority of? And is it quite possible to reject that authority without breaking universal laws? Just a question for you to think about. I'm going to continue reading. As a natural consequence, this mass consciousness has lived under the delusion, a delusion accepted as a reality that if they thought even slightly different than that recognized as quoted authority, such thinking must be abnormal and not be trusted. This recognition of authority depressed man, made of him a menial and brought about a universal disease that has eaten the manhood out of the human creature and made him as a sheep to be herded and masse, directed and governed to the temporal benefit, profit, and advantage of the few who were more brave than himself. At last, in this new cycle, the monistic age, men are slowly but certainly throwing off these age-old, quoted, age-belief shackles and beginning painfully, it is true, to think for themselves, even though they are not yet as strong enough or brave enough to act in advance of the friend, neighbor, and especially the family dictum. Now, I do want to let you know that this book that I'm reading from was written back in the 40s. And things have changed a lot now because man has been thinking for themselves a lot. However, um, it is a challenge to think beyond the dictums of friends and neighbors and family. But 
men are doing it. And when, when I say man, I'm speaking of both men and female. You know, um, we're doing it. We're thinking beyond those things and we're taking action. So this is great. This is just explaining why pe- some people don't take action. And some people don't take action because of fear. And this just goes deep into it. Now, men are just beginning to realize that man is a unit in himself, that each one possesses a mind, much like every other mind. Man is beginning to realize that this mind is given to him for no other reason than that he is to use it and follow its dictates within reason. Reason being to do nothing that will work injury either to himself or another. As enunciated and misunderstood for thousands of years in the simple command that's written in St. Luke's chapter 6 verse 31. And as ye would that man should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. So basically, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's the reasoning behind um, proper behavior. You know, um, should not do anything that's going to be cause injury to yourself, or you not should not do anything that's going to cause injury to someone else. It's really that simple. And you are supposed to use your own mind to act within reasons and go by the dictates of your own particular mind. And of course, if you have been dictated to, it's going to take some time to develop your own mind and to um, decide what it is that you want to do with your own mind and where you want to go. Let's get back to this book. Men are just beginning to comprehend that the new cycle interpretation is really based on the mysteries of the ages, the inculcations by the Nazarene, the Nazarene, namely Jesus Christ. That's who is being referred to as the Nazarene in this book. And the enlightened philosophers of all ages. So I'm going to pause right there in the middle of that paragraph. What Christ says and what a Buddha is, is a title. A title of enlightenment. Um, they, Those titles have been given to many different men. Or many different men have earned those titles throughout the ages. And we are now in an age where more and more people are becoming enlightened. So that's what Christ meant when it says in the Bible, well, that's what the Bible means when it says that Christ will return. It means that Christ is not just going to be one individual walking around enlightened. It's going to be masses of individuals walking in enlightenment, which means they have earned the title of Christ or in other cultures, Buddha. So now I'm going to continue. Mankind are beginning to realize that instead of following the Nazarene, they were led astray by accepting as truth the creeds and dogmas contrary to divine law and based on the selfishness of men who had in their minds only their own benefit and their own glorification and authority, a continuation of herd control. Herd meaning like sheeps. They wanted to control sheep and control people as if they were sheep. And so they instilled fear within the divine and distorted the divine. But now 
all of that is unraveling, which is a good thing. Let it fall apart because it's all falsehoods. You know, man has to get to the truth. And so it's a good thing that the falsehoods are coming apart and things are being exposed so that the truth can shine so that Christ is indeed activated within every person. Men are becoming conscious of the fact that the value of all teachings and instructions is not in the word or in a dogma, but in its application to life, to the thought of the mind, the desires of the heart, and the incentive to action in accordance with thought and desire. Man is beginning to recognize that to succeed in any effort, application to the everyday problems of life is necessary. Faith belief and acceptance without works which is the application is indeed dead to become convinced of the practical aspect of any philosophical teaching or plan of life man must begin to think for himself he must analyze his needs or requirements and then proceed to apply the rules laws and regulations as they affect his individual problems no other person can entirely determine in detail of any individual life because no one but the individual and God can know what is in his heart or within his emotions and those are the things that govern his life neither can say neither can rather any external authority solve the problems that are a part of that individual's life all we can do is communicate the universal law and then What each man is responsible to do is to apply that universal law. And as you are now becoming aware, if you were not aware before, fear robs, fear steals. Fear is the path to death. And fear should not be something that is um, applicable in man's decision making in life. A true master, one who has attained to illumination or soul consciousness, may expound and interpret laws and principles applicable, but each and every individual must study. Study, that means not not just hear what I'm saying, but let whatever I'm saying be something that either confirms something that you already know or motivation for you to go and explore deeper because it's definitely much more to it and it's going to take practice for you to actually um, make it applicable to your life each and every individual must study think and work out his own problems in order to gain an intelligent comprehension of the principles taught so that he may adapt them to his daily needs The moment a man really begins to think for himself and is sufficiently brave to say to fear, get thee behind me, Satan, he will really begin to live. With his new mode of thinking, new desires will be born. And with the new desires in his mind, he will begin a new life of activity. As this is felt by the individual and its possibilities are realized, it will be the incentive for still more independent thinking, the urge to dare to do and to live, thinking and acting, beginning to live in harmony with the divine law, the cosmic urge which gives birth to thought, will in time bring into activity a new life, a greater degree of life, and existence worth living. This new birth will, it is true, be in 
travail as all birth must be. It is out of harmony with the ideas of those still in slavery to dogma and the one on the path who is wise will also observe the law of silence until his strength will enable him to meet all opposition. Once the mind is fully awakened to the reality and desirability of the new life, it will no longer be swayable by the opinions and urge of others, nor readily to be led astray, but will persist in following the path indicated by the law. Fear is not a part of life. It is death, and in reality, it's the brimstone of hell. It is the eternal, constantly active destroyer. If there were no God, no devil, no one to punish us for our sins, fear alone would be sufficient hell to satisfy the most orthodox. It is a truth beyond contradiction that the multitude actually live in a deadly quoted hell and have no need to fear a greater or more certain one beyond the grave. Fear of one thing or another prevents the average man from doing his best. He fears to think. He fears to act. He fears the thoughts and reactions of others. He fears fear itself. To be under the thaldrum of fear is to be in bondage. The herd control. The sheep. A slavery far worse than the Hebrews are said to have suffered in ancient Egypt. The monistic age now upon us has as its mission to give men an opportunity to gain the wisdom necessary to free themselves from the bondage of fear of every description including the fear of themselves with this new freedom will come a release from the fear of undesirable conditions in life it will teach them to live as men should live despite the opinions of all others whoever they may be men will learn the means to free themselves from every fear except one fear of the reaction of the divine law when they act contrary to its dictates. There is no true freedom in doing that which is not right or best, even if it is to prove that one is free to do so or has the privilege to do so. This fear of doing that which is contrary to the law is to be encouraged until it becomes a consciousness of right and no longer a fear. So let me break that down. Basically, it means that um, you have to recognize that these universal laws are in fact universal divine laws and um, you cannot want to go outside of these laws and if you do you know then you should be afraid of what will happen because there are um, repercussions there's cause and effect I mean these are universal things so you cannot go against something that is universal which means it's not just um, a, a rule for a town or a rule for a country or even just a rule for our little blue planet that we occupy it is a universal it's a rule of our universe that we are in we are a part of so you should i'm gonna say what you should but as man is becoming more aware and more conscious then fear the one fear that would go away and it will go away because their consciousness is geared just towards righteousness they're not even thinking of doing anything that's unrighteous if that if that makes sense so i will continue fear of the reaction of the divine law 
when they act contrary to its dictates. There is no true freedom in doing that which is not right or best, even if it is to prove that one is free to do so or has the privilege to do so. This fear of doing that which is contrary to the law is to be encouraged until it becomes a consciousness of right and no longer a fear. The incentive for a man to overcome his age-old fear <clears throat> enemy is manifold. Freedom from fear in itself is a first step towards the supreme man. Then also there is a vast satisfaction in being able to realize and then comprehend that the fear which once held and bound and slave may now be transmuted into power, a power directable towards achievement in every constructive direction. The principle involved is a dual one. It ensures release from an undesirable state, and in addition, it assures the positive, active possibility and opportunity to use this power constructively, both for the self and mankind generally, something all true leaders in the past sought for and applied in their ministrations. The potential energy expended or wasted in the subjection or repression which fear imposes is to be changed or transmuted into energy, power, or capability to do what we know as good and of a constructive nature. Every passion to which man is subject, all the chains and fetters that bind him when changed or transmuted give birth to just that much power for good. Because of this law, the monistic interpretation decrees the destroying or killing out the suppression or depression of any passion or tendency, however evil, but advocates instead its transmutation into the spirit which is of God. We can learn to do this just as easily as man has learned to burn up fuel, coal, oil, wood, and transmute it into heat, which is life and power. Transmuting evil into good creates energy and is essential to man in accomplishing his aims and the production of those things which add to his pleasure or welfare. The fear of hell of brimstone, which has been the means for holding the acts of man in subjection, has no place in the interpretation of the present cycle that we live in. Hell as a place where man is to be punished for his acts he has done or should not have done, that is an illusion in the sense that it is not a state of punishment. Man is not punished for his sins but by his sins. He is not punished in the hereafter, but right here and now by their reaction, and most of all, by his constant ever-present effort-paralyzing fear, which prevents him from achieving worthwhile results in his life. Punishment, the reaction of wrongdoings, begin immediately following the act. It is first of all in the ever-present thought fear that such punishment must follow and this is accompanied or soon followed by the reaction which we term the karma of the act itself for it is not plainly written as ye sow so shall ye will you reap this is an infinite or cosmic law there is no means of sidestepping or evading this law and to attain his freedom man 
must come into an understanding and a comprehension of this vital ever acting law of all the things that may or will punish man fear is the most certain and terrible he who is in fear is in the Hades already literally in quoted hell who is not familiar with or has experienced the awful uncertainty and suffering caused by the expectation of something unfortunate he believed about to happen the fear the dread the suspense during such hours is hell undescribable sitting and waiting expecting what fearing to move to act even to think holding his breath awaiting the blow this is hell it's destructive to the body and the soul alike these conditions mentally born and physically manifested must in time pass away man must become the master first over himself then over all conditions and environments he must become conscious of not merely mentally perceive the assurances or promises of the divine law he must also come to have faith in the promise and trust it not alone in a formal manner but in a practical way manifesting his faith by the actions he take by living accordingly remember faith without works doesn't is dead so if you want faith to be alive you have to put works behind it and faith is believing things that you have not seen yet but you know that they're possible and you act to according to their possibility and then it manifests and the possibility is a reality if he does this possibly with shrinking doubt to begin with he will gradually see the light of truth and free himself from doubt than fear fear is a terrible thing it's a destroying angel but will give way as understanding and knowledge increases. So the more you know, the more it will decrease. So you have to increase the knowledge and increase your wisdom for fear to be reduced. Man fears only things that he does not fully or clearly understand. Fear is not to be mastered through mere faith in the promise of the law. Fear must be overcome by living in harmony with the law. By becoming one with the law, we are able to grow into the love, the wisdom, and the true understanding that obedience to the law brings about in our inner consciousness. Once we comprehend what life really is, we will recognize it as a gradual growth towards an ultimate attainment all true knowledge is a gradual perception and growth as a result of experience mere faith in the truth of a statement by whoever made it or however sincere does not constitute knowledge the acceptance of inculcations by another however widely that other may be accepted as an authority does not constitute knowledge knowledge is that which we experience that which we feel within ourselves that which we recognize as being a part of life that which has become part of our consciousness the more we live in harmony with the divine law the cosmic incentive the greater will become our knowledge or inner consciousness Knowledge is like a mustard seed. If we accept a bit of it and plant it in our inner consciousness by living accordingly, 
it will bring us into more and more of itself and deliver us more and more from ignorance and the companion of ignorance fear fear is the outgrowth the natural result of ignorance which induces error faith hope and the courage to act bring love and wisdom all conditions under which man finds himself and which brings about his sorrows and suffering have a work to perform a mission to fulfill a purpose to satisfy through them man is first awakened to the undesirability of his position condition or environments through sorrow and suffering man is finally induced to make an effort to free himself from them Without having suffered, man would not be able to appreciate what freedom from suffering means. Without having felt fear, man could not appreciate the desirability of being free from the bondage of fear. Without having known hate in the heart, man would be unable to know the beauty, the power, and the peace of love. It is so with all of the vices or passions to which man is subject. Man must experience them in order to really desire to become possessed of their opposites. The real and only purpose of evil is to awaken man to choose the good and to become conscious of the fact that all evils may be transmuted into the higher and more desirable emotions. Mortality must take on immortality. This is the etic of the cosmic law. The quoted devil must become the quoted angel of God. This does not indicate that man must indulge in evil for the sake of appreciating the good, nor that he should deliberately commit sin in order that he may know the sufferings that follow such indulgence. Man must understand the law. He must change the undesirable into that which he seeks to be, come, or possess, and which is the opposite of what he is or has. The real work of man on all planes of activity, now that he is on the earth sphere, is to become conversant with the law, work in harmony with the law, and as a result, transmute all that is undesirable into a higher level. This is true of the destructive passions most of which we are conscious, the fear that holds us inert, the habits that degrade and debase us, even beneath the animal for which we hold such a great contempt. All of these unworthy inheritances can be changed, transmuted into harmony, health, strength, wisdom, and finally, the peace beyond understanding, the inheritance of the sons of God. Likewise, and this should have emphasis. Thus it is with all the tasks of our environments, which we consider as beneath us, we must become conscious of the fact that we would not be in an undesirable position, environment, or condition unless we had in some way, by some means, at some time, brought them upon ourselves. We must recognize that there is but the one way to free ourselves from the undesirable, and that is by performing whatever duty confronts us willingly, gladly, as an honest man pays his debts, actually bring ourselves to like the task, enjoy it, and thus become free of the debt. These things of life, considered by almost all as a curse or a misfortune, are actually stepping stones to all that is beyond and above. And as St. John's chapter 6, verse 60 says, 
this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Man, the human creature, must be bound to something. Otherwise, he would stand alone and separate from all else. It is written that man is not sufficient unto himself, but he is the choice of the bond he is bound to or may assume. He may accept to live in fear and the bondage that results from it, ultimately leading to death, or he may choose to make the necessary effort to transmute the fear that binds him into love and all that belongs to the divine passion and be led to life, then light, and finally into immortality. The beginning of the reality of life not the illusion that appears as life and the true knowledge of individualized immortality comes at the moment when man awakens is baptized by John with water and water being the truth so it means that you are baptized with the truth and you accept the truth that man is created in the image of his creator Then man will recognize that within him all of the dormant powers and forces, all potentialities that were in God, the cosmic creator, at the time of his own creation, though to a lesser degree, man actually is the temple of the living God. And he may bring all of these divine inheritances into manifestations. True, this is only the beginning, and like the seed cast on the stony ground, it may die before it was actually born. It is, however, the starting point of his new life. It is the beginning of the real life. Once, having accepted the truth, man, like the builder of the biblical temple, must master the art of reconstruction from the very foundation to the pinnacle of the finished building. He must select his material or know how to substitute change it how to direct the work to be done and be faithful until the final finishing touches are completed once man has an inkling of the truth and accepts it as a basis for his efforts and proceeds according to the understanding he has of the truth he will become conscious of what it means to have even a semblance of knowledge and the apparent means towards freedom as he proceeds he will progress in his building he will grow and ultimately become that which he sought man was not born to be the victim of fear he was not born to suffer He was not born to surely die. He was given free will as the insignia of his manhood. Unfortunately, he chooses the easiest way. The flesh becoming strong, the spirit weak, until he becomes as he is now. The victim of his own indulgences of mind, spirit, and body. Man was created free. Free to enjoy life, to know happiness, to be not a groveling creature, the biblical worm of the dust, but a companion of his creator, even more a co-creator. But instead, he has chosen, some people have chosen, not all, but some have chosen to decreate, to debase, to degenerate. Man was created in the image of his creator. In his image, he was created to live forever. This will become a reality once he relearns the forgotten lesson and seeks to free himself from the errors 
into which the abuse of his free will have led him. He can become a co-creator with God once he applies his great privilege by rebuilding both the body and his spirit so that his entire being will live on the basis of divine law. The souls see the divine spark now dormant in man cannot gain knowledge without the body as the vehicle through which to function. It is impossible for the soul to again become conscious of or regain its consciousness of God because like him and become like him rather and return to an ideal state unless it accepts as truth applicable in the new life the fact that all of life is the redemption the awakening of the soul within and the building of a fit abiding place the perfection of the body for its residence the soul cannot redeem itself cannot raise itself from its fallen state through special favors granted by god but only through its own efforts by means of its own worthiness through its innermost desires by becoming this becoming being the ultimate result of his own sowing under the law as thou sowest so shall thou reap this sowing may bring fear and death or the changing of mortality into immortality both are under the one law of sowing whether this be sowing wheat or be sowing tares. Redemption so universally misunderstood or misinterpreted is actually regeneration. The second birth, the birth into the spirit, this has reference not only to the soul of man, but to his body as well. Full redemption or salvation to save is of both body and soul. The purification of the body from all carnal elements make the body a partner and co-worker with the soul. Body and soul then share in all activities, bring about harmonious conditions between the body and soul. And finally, find the plane of consciousness known as heaven, which the Nazarene said was only given to know by the few. What does that mean? It means that as you become more aware of certain things, and we we are seeing um, nowadays a lot of people being very conscious of their bodies and working out and eating better, making better choices with what they put into their bodies, and that is a great, great thing that is happening because if our bodies are the temples of our souls and ultimately the temples of the living God, then we should certainly make it the most beautiful temple as we can. The key is that we can't just focus only on our bodies. We also have to focus on our souls as well. So what is the strongest desire of the innermost being, the heart of man? We need not judge man. All we need to do is watch their activities and the desire governing them will manifest itself. And if the desire is strong enough, it will lead to success. But that is not all of it. With his success will come also new surroundings, new environments, and the sufferings and the joys of the spirit which are activated from his efforts. It was taught in the mysteries and by the Nazarene that it was both feasible and possible for man to obtain 
anything which the heart really desire. The desire itself furnishing the incentive to the effort necessary for the attainment or achievement. This being true, as proven by all successful men, most of whom begin with nothing but their will and the willingness to meet, come what may, who is there able to successfully deny that the desire for a life of fulfillment being basically the strongest and most universal is capable of fulfillment if man is willing to free himself from the destroying of fear and bring life's forces into harmony with the law thereby manifesting the universality of the law eternal life will not be gained by man purely through a full knowledge of eugenics in the race of physical improvement, however desirable that may be. It will not come about through physical perfection. Life eternal will become possible only after men fully comprehend by an inner consciousness that is necessary to perfect birth both body and soul conjointly. To understand through the spirit within that combined with a desire for a perfect physical life or life on the physical realm, there must be an equally strong desire for a a perfected, developed, conscious, illuminated soul. The twofold desire, one for perfection of the body, the other for an equally perfect soul, must proceed hand in hand and charge with life every cell, every atom in the entire being. In this manner will every cell be filled with life, not alone for the physical man, but for the spiritual man as well. We will not fail to repeat, nor can we repeat too often. As long as there is one evil thought, desire, or feeling in mind, heart, or soul, that long will the thought or desire be creative of a poison which infuses death not life into the cells of which the body is composed and which has its influence its impressions on the soul itself and fear paralyzing fear will continue to hold the soul in bondage so that means that (coughs) excuse me we must be mindful of our thoughts point blank and we must continue to work um within ourselves to direct our thoughts so that we don't poison our own bodies or our own souls with our thoughts the mortality putting on immortality can be accomplished only if humanity will come into the consciousness that it is in fact and realize in spirit that it is necessary to throw off the shackles of fear and the race belief in the certainty of death and accept the promise made by the Lord illustrated in the mysteries and repeated inculcated by the Nazarene. Instead of thinking illness and weakness and sickness and death, man must gradually substitute the thoughts which carry death and replace them with thoughts of more and greater life. But so thinking is far from sufficient. The activities of life in every direction must be in harmony with the thought and the desire. Man must eliminate from every cell of the body the old ideas of death, and this must be replaced with thoughts of life, free of fear, and fear replaced by that of freedom. Once man frees himself of hatred and malice, he becomes filled with love. Envy and ill will will then give way to kindliness and forgiveness, while graciousness will replace meanness and human littleness. 
life is nothing but life and can contain nothing but life. Otherwise, it will not be life. It is through the living that we may obtain the benefits of living. God is the God of life. But even so, he cannot prevent men from reaping death if they follow the path of death. Only man can prevent that. And I'm going to stop there because that is the end of chapter 12. So it has been a pleasure to share this with you guys. Um, these, I think I'm going to continue to share these chapters with you guys. Um, because they are very pertinent to what's happening right now. You know, a lot of people um, are just bombarded by fear and they have to refuse it. You have to really, really, really refuse it. If that means not watching the news, that's okay. You can check the weather on your phone. You know, why is it important for you to know what's happening across the freaking world? Are you able to do anything about it? Are you? What What are you able to do about it? Yeah. Exactly. So what's the point of presenting it to you? To instill fear. So now that you know what the purpose is, you can utilize your mind to reject it. I'm not going to watch that. I don't, I, don't I, there, I cannot write at this point. I don't have the billions of dollars to go and make a thing. Now, I can see why Oprah will watch the news. You know what I'm saying? Because Oprah can decide to take a billion dollars and go and um, influence something that's happening somewhere. Make a, make a positive change. But can I do that at this point? only thing I can do is, you know, send positive prayers over there. But, you know, if I send positive, wherever I send positive energy to, it's going to flow where it needs to be at. So I don't have to watch something that's fearful that will encourage fear or encourage um, anger or hatred or any type of malice because of an injustice. I don't have to physically put that into my mind in order to send wellness and goodness and love. I can just send wellness and goodness and love out forth from me and know that I am sowing into the kingdom of God, the living God, and not into um, fear which is death. So the 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 meanings behind these terminologies are becoming more clearer and clearer as we are gaining more consciousness and awareness and it is a it is a circle cycle. A circle cycle. It's almost like saying the same thing twice. <laughs> but it is a cycle. Elevation is a cycle. You circle back. You know, you start at one point and then you raise your consciousness and awareness and then you return to that point, but you're not on the same level that you were when you started there. You know, and then you just raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. So, you know, as people become conscious, they became... I, I can't talk for other people. I can speak for myself. As I became conscious, more conscious of the truth, I saw there was a lot of... I became aware of the falsehoods that were happening within the churches. And me becoming aware of those falsehoods um, drove me to look more within and to study independently without following another person that other people accepted as an authority figure 
it allowed me to <clears throat> apply the principles that I was taught from a young girl into my life and to continue to apply those principles to my life as I discovered more and more of the truth and as I discovered it I applied it and then that application became knowledge and so me coming across this book is no accident and to be quite honest I don't even know where I purchased it from but I know how I am um, with certain things and I allow my spirit and because I have been working on my spirit it has reached a certain level where you know um I I, I trust it. It's strong, you know, and it's led me in a in a way and direction. And I'm like, okay, and I picked this up, and I wasn't even able to digest this at that time, you know what I mean? Um, I but I tucked it away, and it been safely tucked away for years and years, and then it just recently reemerged. And when I began to read it, it was just like. <sighs> It was aha, 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 aha moments after aha moments because I recognized the truth. More so, it was it is confirmation for me for things that were revealed to me by the Spirit. So I just look to be a positive impact and of positive service to others as I um, continue to evolve in my own life and manifest all of the beautiful things that I desire in my life because all of these beautiful good things are, you know, really good. <laughs> They're really good. It allows me to give more and to be more good to others. So I appreciate it. And um, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to share um, this chapter with you, all who are listening. I see that my listeners are increasing. So um, I encourage you to pray and to follow your spirit and to build your spirit and build your body up so that your God within is active, which is your your Christos, your your you are illumined, which means you can see clearly, not just with your two eyes, but with your third eye as well. And you're not judging and you're not operating um, in any type of way that is not of God. So with that being said, thank you for listening to the Super Tea Podcast Show. Enjoy your day and stay tuned. This is um, going to be a series titled... Um, esoteric things or well that's probably too 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 lofty let me bring let me let me knock it down a notch or two to biblical principles i like that that seems more universal you know so anyway thank you or maybe even spiritual spiritual principles supported by biblical verses that's nice right i like that well, I'll figure it out uh, when I once I get to typing. Thank you for listening, and you're free to share and comment. And also, 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 you're free to support this channel if you like what this channel is bringing and delivering. Then there is an option to become a supporter on Anchor, which means you can make a a minimal donation every month if you would like to. That's at the discretion of you. If that's something that you feel led by your spirit to do. I am just appreciative to have this platform and to be able to utilize it to be of good service. 
Thank you. Hey, you thought it was over, didn't you? (laughs) Well, thank you for sticking through to the end because I got something special for you. For you. For you. And that is an appreciation. An appreciation of you taking the time to listen to what I got to say. What on my mind what's in my heart and just how I feel to know that my listeners actually care enough and value enough what I have to say it just touches me deep in my soul so thank you so much for your time I want you to know your time was not wasted I hope that you were entertained I hope you got a little laugh I hope you got something from this that it's an even exchange of energies and respect and of love so thank you for listening to my podcast this is the super tea podcast where I spill all my tea and sometimes other people tea too if they give it to me you know what I mean but um please stay tuned I will be uploading and adding more and more so again I want to thank you for your time and let you know that I love you and also let you know that hey if you got something to say just as the commercial shared hey you can monetize what you got to say so just think about it food for thought this is a great platform and um, anybody can do it all right take care and be well